Hey, Whiskey Ringers. I am thrilled to welcome back Impex Beverages as the Whiskey Ring Podcast presenting sponsor. Each month, we'll be talking about a new set of single casks, maybe feature a chosen distillery or single casks from a chosen distillery. Listen for the mid-roll for more info on this month's offerings. And now, a brand new episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode and a very special episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Dan O'Shevlin. We're going to be introducing to the U.S. market a brand new, or pretty brand new, I should say, brand new to the market, Irish whiskey and triple dog whiskey. So welcome on, Dan. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thrilled to have you on. Uh, Of course, we're uh, recording this in advance of March, which is unofficial and official Irish month for all of the U.S. and much of the Western world. Uh, But it is nice to see just the the invention and coming to the fore of all these new Irish whiskey distilleries and brands like Triple Dog. So glad to have you on to chat. So you have a very varied background. To put it mildly. Um, yeah. So why don't we start with, we'll start with the whiskey story and then we'll go backwards uh, if we've got time, but let, let's go into the origin story for triple dog whiskey. Okay. Um, I guess uh, it all started back in uh, 1916. My, my grandfather had a, uh, a plan to, uh, to bring an Irish whiskey and a vodka, an Irish vodka, which was back in those days almost unheard of, um, <clears throat> to the United States to brand it and sell it and, uh, and make a go of it over here in the U.S. Um, he had a pub in Ireland. He, uh, he, came, he was a civil engineer. When he finally came over uh, to the U.S., uh, carried with him, you know, just a, a few belongings and his recipes. Um, after he assisted the uh, state of New York in building uh, some of the bridges around Manhattan, the Triborough is one of them, uh, <clears throat> he moved his family out to Long Island. He moved his family out to Long Island to pursue his dream of opening up another pub and then uh, getting a whiskey, his whiskey and his uh, vodka started. Well, he uh, ended up using the uh, prohibition hit in 1934. And so he was uh, by the wayside. I'm sorry, 1930. Sorry. Back up. 19. Uh, 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 20. 20. Thank 20. you. 20, yeah. 34. So he was stuck in that situation where he couldn't do anything. So I don't think I'm going to get him in any trouble by saying that he made it in the back room. <laughs> And uh, it was a fan of everybody's. He's like, you know, one day it's whenever they release this prohibition stuff, I'm gonna I'm gonna brand this and I'm gonna put this out, and uh, it's gonna be a big hit. Well, he passed, and he never saw his dream come to fruition. So my father, at one time, you know, it was everything with my grandmother lived for many years after, and we visited back and forth, and my. Uh, father one day said he was going to clean out the basement and, and uh, see what all the belongings that uh, can make from Ireland. And he came upon a wooden box. And he opened up the wooden box and he's like, he saw these uh, 
to him, it was chicken scratch, but it was these amazing formulas. And he goes, I think there's some chemistry in here somewhere. So let me talk to the, uh, the guy, the only guy in the family that says a background in biochemistry. So he called me. He's, and he told me about them, showed them to me. And I said, oh, that, he goes, you know what these are? And I said, yeah, that's a um, whiskey formulation. And there's one for vodka. He goes, and you know that from all this stuff on the paper. I go, yes, I do, sir. <laughs> he goes, well, he goes, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, uh, I'm about to throw this away. He says, but if you want it, I can, uh, I can go ahead and, and give it to you. If you don't, throw it in the trash. I said, well, for keepsake reasons, especially I'd like to have it, it's, it you know, for a memorial for my grandfather, for, for Pappy. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll get this over to you. And I said, no, I'll come get it. So when I'm taking a look at this and I'm going, wow, I remember. And I said, now tell me, Dad, this is, this is true. I, he kept saying my Bonor uh, spirits, my Bonor spirits. And it's Bonor is gold metal in Gaelic. So what I did was I started making the whisk. Uh, sorry, it took two years to research the industry. And after researching the industry, I, I thought about this and I thought, you know, this is something I could probably do and, and bring my grandfather's dream to fruition. So I, I made a lot of phone calls, talked to a lot of experts, met with some master distillers and started to make some small batches of whiskey and some uh, small batches of vodka. And then got the idea, well, I can make the vodka one day and sell it the next day so I can release the vodka and I can use that to finance the whiskey project. So that's how I came out with the Bonor Vodka, which uh, was very successful. And then used that money and parlayed that into continuing on with the whiskey. And that all started back in about 2012. So 2012 is when I'm making this stuff and I'm going, okay, uh, I believe, I believe we're almost there. And so kept trying it, thieving out of the casks, finding out, you know, what's going to make this thing a little different. And so while I'm in a pub in, uh, in Dublin, I'm meeting with master distillers all the time. We always would go out and do a little pub crawl on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And uh, one day somebody came out with a, come up with an idea that said, Hey, we need to come up with a whiskey that doesn't taste like Irish whiskey. And I don't know if you know or, the, or your audience knows that uh, the IWA is very strict on how you make your Irish whiskey. You know, whether or not it's pot still, the collimated still, there's very little variance that you can do for the IWA to say that's okay. You can call that Irish whiskey. You can make whiskey and it not be Irish whiskey just because it's from Ireland. The IWA gets it to go ahead. Well, now it's Irish whiskey. So they go, and I said, I dare you to make this. And they go, you dare me to make it. You know how much the, the how many inspections I go through. And I go, yeah, I, I know that. And they go, I triple dog dare you to make it. I said, really? I Okay. I said, well, I'm kind of new at the game. So, you know, ignorance is bliss sometimes. And so I sought after uh, many different types of formulations, deviating slightly but all the while maintaining the integrity of the Irish whiskey standard. <clears throat> so we met then again in about a year. And I, I presented them with a fairly new uh, uh, whiskey that I had been working on. 
And uh, they said, uh, when, I, when I presented it to everybody, they thought, well, that was, this does not taste like Irish whiskey, first of all. Uh, second, uh, I don't think you're going to get your IWA stamp on this one. I go, well, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, fast forward a few months, and we got the stamp. So now I'm off to the races with a trip and, and I passed the triple dog dare. I couldn't pass it. I couldn't, I had to take the dare because you can't back away from a triple dog dare. Yeah. If you're able to get dare you to do something and you can kind of back away from that and double dog when they triple dog dare you when growing up in Ireland, you, you cannot pass, you can't walk away from that. So uh, now I, I got the name. I have the Bonor vodka, which is his gold medal vodka. I got the triple dog Irish whiskey. Now let's parlay this money from this and then and carry this on for you know the the rest of the time and and start off with a five year whiskey in the marketplace. So I'm waiting and waiting and I go let's as it's uh, we'll pull the five year stuff out in five years, put that aside to stop the maturation process. And then we can let the other stuff. And all the while, I'm making it every day, making it every day for year six, year seven, year eight, year nine, and so forth. So <clears throat> what you see in front of you right now is the formulation that I won the challenge with of the Triple Dog Dare Challenge in Ireland. And I was able to bottle it and bring it over to the U.S., and now we're experiencing some very good success with it in, uh, I think we're in five states now, or I think we're launching in, uh, we've got it into California, Texas, Colorado, Michigan, and Illinois. Uh, about to move into four or five more states this year. And the, uh, the response has been overwhelming. It's actually humbling for people to take a, a sip of this whiskey and take a look at me and go and take a look at the whiskey and they go, this is an Irish. <laughs> and then I grin on my face and I say, thank you. <laughs> um, but it is, we use only the finest Irish grains in this, uh, in the uh, mash bill. And then we uh, do a little bit of magic in the, uh, in the lab. And from that magic and the blending together of all different types of casks, we have many different types of casks. I can't tell you exactly what they are, but um, I can tell you a little bit. We've got from the wine category, we've got from the bourbon category, we've got from the stouts, we got from the virgin cask, the French oak cask. But all of these are made of, of, uh, of French oak. And the virgin casks bring a nice little touch to it when uh, when you put it in the virgin cask. And then I pull from these. I wish I had a video to show you in my lab of all the variations of the different casks um, that I uh, that I pull from. And from that, I put my mad scientist hat on and I start my formulation. I start my blending process. And <clears throat> one of my favorite desserts of all time is creme brulee. So I oh, wanted, yeah. <laughs> I cannot, that's one of those triple dog dares. I can't back away from it. If it's on the menu at a restaurant, I'm ordering it, whether I'm full or whether I'm not full, I have to have it. So my wife can confirm I'm the same way. So <laughs> Fantastic. So we're much alike. So while um, all the while trying to recreate a creme brulee flavor profile from just whiskey, it, it took some time. 
and then a little toasted caramel with the cracked vanilla bean, the same as what you taste in that creme brulee, is what you get on the front end notes as your uh, as your uh, uh, note. If you put your nose in it, you got the front end notes of the creme brulee, the toasted caramel, and the uh, and the uh, uh, cracked vanilla bean. But then when you sip it, you get this nice smooth feel on the front of your tongue that rolls down the back. And this is the really uh, the fun part is I found a way to come up with a defined citrus finish. So there's no Irish whiskey bite or burn to this. It kind of cleanses the palate as it goes down the backside. And I don't know if you have a bottle there, if they were able to get you a bottle. Um, but if you don't, I would like to send you one so we can share a glass together. You can tell, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And I want to see the reaction on your face as I'm describing it to you, as you're doing your tasting and you'll, you'll be shocked. It really does have a citrus finish to it. Um, now, as far as the formulation and the mash bill, um, I make this over in Ireland and distilleries in Ireland it's in the Northern part of Ireland. It's close to where my uh, family is from in Newry County, Armagh which is uh, one of the six counties uh, that have not uh, migrated into the Republic yet. So and all the conflict and everything that's there, but I believe with the Sinn Féin um, now having more house seats um, than ever, I believe that's all going to change. And I think it's in the works, but still, it's still Northern Ireland and the distillery is not far from that across the border in technically southern part of ireland but it's still northern ireland it's in uh, dundalk so it, it hails from dundalk which is the wee county the smallest county in ireland and uh it's a it's a fantastic and a magical place produced some amazing whiskey and uh i would uh, discuss the mash bill with you at length however um, I was talking to my attorneys and they said that because it's of a proprietary blend and we only have three people that know the formulation. And so therefore I'm going to only have to ask you to try it and tell me what you think. And then I can uh, tell you whether or not you're correct. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, I mean, there's, there's so much to kind of go into within the brand and within the history and uh, I mean, the first place is another weird coincidence, I think, uh, where, if you don't mind sharing, where on uh, on Long Island did your family move to? St. James, Smithtown. Oh, way out there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Part of your background is in, in, as you said, in biochemistry. Yes. And when you were looking at that piece of paper that had the your grandfather's recipe on it and the formulas on it. Um, was it i'm just curious what formula set it was in like was it in the um like a carbon chain diagram or uh more of a i'm forgetting the term now it's been a i used to be a biochem major and it's just yeah. gone out you, you just <laughs> yeah. yeah and then uh so it was a uh it was a little all over the map as my as as Pappy was in his uh, thinking processes. So it was in bits and pieces uh, that I had to put together. But yeah, I mean, it. So you used to be a biochem major. Yeah, I I made it through Orgo too, and then I decided to change the history. 
So, but Orgo, I love, so I, I recognize a lot of the formulas and yeah. diagrams even today. And I, I wanted to get delve into the, uh, the, and do a little deeper dive and get into the molecular structures of everything and, and really got into like uh, chemical engineering to see the structure of cells and everything else that we were uh, looking at. And, and that's really where my uh, forte was, but the other stuff is I'm just, I'm a science geek and love it all. I've been working on projects here for uh, trying to fold space. And so that was what I was doing. It was the, the, a lot of physics and, and learning some different uh, string theory mm -hmm. and uh, it's quantum mechanics, quantum theory. And just, it fascinates me. It really fascinates me. Uh, I would say after, after biochem, the, well, for biochem, I was more of a virology. I just love oh. the, I, I love the idea of viruses. And if there was a, I wanted to say if there was an application of viral shell, uh -huh. you know, if you could deactivate a viral shell, um, somewhat denature it and then reform it yep. into something on a macro level um, as uh, basically bio armor, bio building, something like that. But uh, second to that in my science left, so I'm also kind of a jack of all trades with that. Uh, physics was always among them. I mean, string theory, yep. I was reading, I've read all of Brian Greene's books um elegant universe read multiple times fantastic um easy entry into the world of string theory and quantum mechanics but no less formidable i should say with that um i did a presentation in college on um fifth dimension gravitational leakage and why that was the the weakest of the four fundamental forces or at least the theory as to why that was one of the weakest fundamental forces and it was too with like an English class because it was for presentation purposes in college. So everyone was just looking at me like, what the hell is he talking about? But it was a valid theory. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, but now I, I, I like the science of whiskey. Too, yeah. so. I was able to grow a multiverse in school to 11 dimensions and uh, showed my math and uh, showed my, uh, all my formulas to everyone. They're looking at me like, what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. but it works it just works and um and stretching space and folding space amongst itself and taking out a slice of pie and folding it upon itself and uh, uh, lessening your time travel through space mm -hmm. you're going through an area this big versus a a whole pie and so with get a, around, with right, get around the problem of uh of light speed travel by pinching yeah. two pieces of space together I'm I'm blanking on the the um term for it right now, but yeah, folding space time together so two points on space time continuum are close together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big fan of the three body problem series. So <laughs> that's the stuff that keeps me up at night. <laughs> it I love it. It's fascinating. You know, first hintings of it in the Foundation series way back when Asimov was writing, and then uh, you bring it to three body, and suddenly it's I mean it's not a reality yet, but it's a little more fleshed out as a theory. Um, I mean, I, I love this kind of stuff. I, I'm, I am very much a science nerd as well. Clearly haven't taken it to the extent you have, but uh, <laughs> I haven't made it my profession, but I, I try to keep up on it because it is interesting and it's, it's the future. And yeah. I'm interested in that. Absolutely. So the, 
let's see. I mean, there, like I said, there's so many ways to go with this. Uh, the I noticed that the so the whiskey four triple dog, like you said, it's from the north. It's not Northern Ireland, but it's the Republic of Ireland in the north of the Republic in the Wee County. Um, so coming from Great Northern, yeah, or, you know, distilled that Great Northern, which is putting out some fantastic whiskeys. Recently oh, had yeah. on James uh, Doherty from uh, Schlieve League. Okay, you know, so I can testify. You know, you can have great stuff from Great Northern that's very different among the distilleries and brands and uh, producers. It's I you think of it like the like the MGP here in America, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can go if you, especially if you're starting with the distillate as opposed yes. to the age product. Correct. Well, the, uh, a good friend of mine, um, was a very, uh, integral part of the success and the growth, the massive growth at GND here recently, not just John Teeling, who is the grandfather, uh, now of uh, Irish whiskey, but a good friend that I just lost, uh, who you who was from Scotland? We just lost him at Christmas time. Brian Watts, mm, yes, a dear dear friend, and um, uh, uh, one heck of a chemical engineer. And uh, it was tough. That was tough uh, losing him. Absolutely, yeah. I know. I I saw. I never had the chance to interact with him personally, but I remember around that time the tributes pouring in from. Uh, both sides of the Irish border from across the channel in Scotland as well. So clearly left his mark on the Irish whiskey industry. It, he, uh, he came from McAllen. He came yeah. from McAllen. <laughs> so, and uh, uh, John recruited him and brought him over and, and his family stayed in Scotland. So he made the trip back and forth uh, quite often. But uh, what a, what an interesting and a, and a, and a great man. And he's he's missed dearly, and there's a gentleman out there now. He's got some big shoes to fill, but he's doing a really good job, Brian Mungan. And Brian is uh, was his protege that he brought. He's been bringing along and grooming. And yeah, they, I'm I'm more sorry for the industry to lose a, a a brain like that that was able to contribute so much to this uh, industry in a uh, behind the scene of people would never know the amazing things this guy has been able to achieve. And, and um, it's sad. It was a sad day, but I'm telling you, they, the folks up there are amazing. John Teeling, it just keeps on going. It just doesn't miss a beat and everything gets filled and everything. And you don't, you're going, wow, how does all this happen? So and I'm going back over here next month. So, you know, I got to sit and, and, and chat with everybody, but the, the, it's tough. It's tough to to have somebody that was a very big part of the growth of Triple Dog uh, coming along. As wave one of the th things that I the the most fun I have is spending time in the lab with Brian. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so now I've got to bring uh, the other Brian in and show him what we're working on and show him all the things that we're doing. He's a good guy too, as is everybody at Great Northern. Absolutely. Uh, I'll ask you to, when you see him, put in a word for me with John Teeling. Okay. Uh, uh, um, but yeah, as you said, he's got, he's got two distilleries now. He's got Cooley and yes. Great Northern yes. producing amazing things. And he's one of the few people, uh, I think it's a big difference between 
especially American whiskey and elsewhere in the world, but um, I guess a little bit between Scotland and Ireland as well, that there's the, the concept of like the master distiller or the master blender being a celebrity. Yeah. You know, you know, the names of everyone here in the, for the, at least the heritage brand, certainly in yeah. America. Um, but in Ireland, particularly because of the consolidation post prohibition and post crash uh, to the point where we're just now seeing this explosive growth, there's not the same names, you know, John Teeling, you might know Brian nation before he uh, defected and yeah. came over here to start keepers heart. Um, but, and industry people would have known Brian yeah. and a couple of other names as well, but you don't see the same thing as like uh, even to, you know, Jim beverage or Jim Swan, may he rest in peace as well. Uh, certain other like huge names in, in Scotland, it's just not the same, I guess. And to have those names get out there is something that uh, I really value because people should know who's behind their whiskey and also should honor the fact that someone like like a John Teeling can create these two distilleries yes. that are producing whiskey on a contract basis, on a you know sold as is basis, what have you, depending on the situation, for so many brands that are building off of that success and building their own brands off of that success. And it's really something to be uh, celebrated. I think, especially as Irish whiskey really regains its place on the world scene. Yeah. In, in, uh, in a very big way as well. I mean, it, it trends higher than any other Brown um, in the marketplace right now. And will over the next five years, according to some of the, the surveys and the and the trending reports I've been looking at, and it's almost like twenty seven percent higher than any brown. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And so. as of last month, uh, according to my friends over at Discus, uh, as of last month, brown spirits for the first time overtook, or spirits rather, not just brown spirits, but spirits in general overtook beer yeah. in total volume of sales, and which I I don't think had ever happened since they had started recording these things and Irish whiskey was the, the biggest, as you said, it was the largest Brown spirits driver of that and was ahead of a couple of white spirits or clear spirits as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Brown. great. Millennials have, have taken the Browns and, and kind of embraced it and said, you know, we're not, uh, we don't want your father's brands anymore. We don't mm -hmm. want our father whiskey we don't want our father's vodka we don't want our father's bourbon we want our own we want something that we can grow up with and call our own and i think triple dog speaks to that as a disruptor within the space to disrupt the stodgy establishment of the old guard and bringing in the new um so therefore it speaks to that millennial that they can put their arms around and say hey this is from my generation and this is what i'm gravitating towards and i can call this my whiskey not your father's whiskey so and and that was something i, I wanted to pull up from uh the uh, the press release for triple dog which will be it'll be posted before this episode goes live but it'll also be reposted uh, in conjunction with this episode that Quote, a group of whiskey makers were passionately debating, and this is to your pub story, how traditional Irish whiskey could better appeal to the next generation of Irish whiskey lovers. And uh, to me, that certainly spoke to the expansion of Irish whiskey uh, that's that we're seeing, uh, 
I think as of I don't know, a couple of days ago, but uh, we're at over 50 either active or in progress distilleries in Ireland, which is incredible. Mind boggling. It, it's, it's a, it's a great time to be in Ireland now and a part of this expansion and explosion. Absolutely. And so to me also it did bring up a question, which uh, you kind of answered with the, you kind of answered earlier in terms of uh, referring to the types of casts you're using French Oak with different, variations therein of the french oak but there is kind of a um a dissonance in a way because you're reviving your grandfather's recipe for whiskey um and vodka of course as well but yeah we're focused on the whiskey on this one so yeah so you're you know you're reviving this um let's call it a century old recipe for whiskey um so on one hand you're trying to revive something that exist a long time ago it was uh, a recipe of its time of its place but also trying to one appeal to the newer drinker and newer not necessarily in terms of length of how much how long they've been drinking but just the younger groups and such but at the same time you're also dealing with just the realities of new techniques new distillation equipment better equipment than he would have had access to whether legally or illegally and i think the statute of limitations passed so he should be fine on that um and i mean honestly also what are they going to do to him so the (laughs) so how when you were really um thinking about the brand and how you wanted to bridge that divide what kind of thoughts like how did you think that through and get to where you have with the final product well i wanted to first of all honor my uh, grandfather and i wanted to uh bring in that same old tradition but introduce it in a different way to the new millennial crowd and of which i don't know i'm sure you probably do know this that the the female population in the millennial crowd are really gravitating towards the Browns faster than what the men are. Mm-hmm. Because for years, the men were drinking the whiskey and the women were drinking the vodka. And now they have something that they can enjoy and drink with the guys and say, ah, you don't see it. I can drink this because it doesn't have that bite. It's uh, those ones that are, they call themselves purists. And they want to have big, strong, bold flavor in their mouth. And women want to have something soft and delightful. But at the same time, they want to, you know, share it with their, with their, uh, the, the man they're with or with their other ladies. And, and they could say, well, we, we drank a bottle of whiskey ourselves, the girls. And that, is, that population explosion into the Browns had led me to think that, okay, what can I do to satisfy both male and female population? Is we have, you see the boldness of the bottle with the black and the dog collar and the red, the, it really pops on the shelf. And then whenever you, you uncork it and you get this 
flavor profile unlike that of anything that you've ever smelled before in a uh, or tasted before in an Irish whiskey because everybody's expecting that to be very light and but with a little bite at the end of it and then they see this dark color and it's like oh my gosh it's almost bourbonesque in the in the way that it looks but it drinks like nothing else and to be sipped neat which is how I like to enjoy it uh, in a Glencairn glass uh, or over a rock, but it blends so well. I, I was introduced to Monin, who brought me into their uh, headquarters here in, uh, not in Florida, but their, their facility in um, Texas. And they produced 12 amazing cocktails. And my CEO slash business partner, um, Mr. Gillum, Chris Gillum, he's not, a, he doesn't drink. So I invited him out and I said, you have got to try these. And he sat down and, you know, the very first thing he does whenever he takes a sip of anything is he got that, that face, you know, somebody that doesn't like alcohol. Mm. He does it with the triple dog, which is the, why he wanted to join up with me. And when he was drinking these cocktails that Monin produced, he said, I actually could become a drinker today and drink on a regular basis if this is what they tasted like. And they're amazing recipes that I, I can't wait to share with everybody. And one of the uh, one of the things that happened while we were there is the chef, uh, executive chef of Fridays was in and he's looking for a, uh, a whiskey to put on the menu. And one of the reps of Monin said, you've got to try this. And he was like, Where's, where did that come from? So he was, he was really shocked. And so hopefully that will procure into a, a nice, you know, across the nation type of an account. But um, he was really, really taken back. And he says, you know, what takes uh, me back even further than just how wonderful it tastes, he says, but that flavor profile I can mix with so many dishes in my new menu that I'm creating because of that flavor. And it blends better than any other whiskey that I've ever tried. And I've tried quite a few. Um, but the so it stands alone on its own, as well as it blends so much better than anything else where you don't know. It's almost like blending a vodka. You don't taste the liquor in there. You only taste the, the, uh, the, the other ingredients. So it's a really soft blend. <clears throat> so... Uh, that that part was exciting to me, knowing that now we can make all these exciting cocktails coming out, as well as sit in a cigar bar and have yourself a, a triple dog neat. The other thing that was uh, delighted me was, you know, we we set it out to a judge, uh, judges from uh, Whiskeys of the World, and um, came back with ninety four points. And when I looked at the category, at the, at the people that I had knocked off, at the, which I don't have to tell you because I know you know what those are, pretty amazing brands out there that people just say, well, nothing will ever beat that. And here we are with a 94, and they're at 93s. And uh, so that's something that's going to be on our splash page here coming up over the next probably one week to two weeks. You'll see that on our splash page, a big 94 medal for 94 points which is pretty yes. that 
coming from Ireland. <laughs> Absolutely. And I should mention also a couple of those cocktails, um, all 12, we can get the recipes for all of them, but certainly a couple of them will be also posted along with the episode because I want to try them. I'll admit I'm more of a whiskey neat drinker. Okay. I usually, I'll usually drink whiskey neat at home and get a cocktail when we go out. Uh, Cause I just don't have the ingredients all the time right. to make a cocktail at home. Um, I'd love as much as I'd love to keep orange peel around at all times, you know, doesn't really work that way all the time but uh that being said so yeah so we will be posting the cocktail recipes alongside i did want to um push back a little bit on one thing you said which was that uh the so as you said we've had a huge increase in um uh, women the female population drinking brown spirits which is great you know seeing them come into and and more so, not even come into, but be accepted by these whiskey groups and houses and societies that for so long were all men. Even at the small minds we're seeing, it's I, I think it's a great thing. I think you know you, clearly you would you'd agree with that um, that it's great to have more women and more diversity in the whiskey drinking community. Right. Um, with that said, though. I do have a couple of female friends who will take umbrage with you okay. about about um, liking it at 80 proof or you know uh, a lower proof. So is there a possibility of a cast strength version at some point in the future? I'm going to have to tell you to uh, no, let me answer that with the end of Q2 the middle of Q3 look for something else from triple dog to hit the shelf. It's already in the works going over final blend and put my finishing touches on it. And we are coming out with two new SKUs that will be on the shelves by Q4. All right. We will make sure to reconnect on that when that happens. Like I said, I got a couple of friends who would have, beating me upside the head if I'd let that one slide. So um, no, I have a good answer for you <laughs> and there'll be, so that'll be coming out. Right. Um, so just going back quickly to the uh, uh, question of adapting what you had, uh, what was, what do you think was the most challenging aspect of adapting your grandfather's recipe to today? It was more like chemical or mechanical or even ID, ideation wise. Um, I think it was uh, if I had the if I had the videos to share with you right now of the uh, of my lab, it, it was probably I was frustrated more in the blending process than anything to get this to you know with with everything that I'm blending having an IWA mm. uh, stamp on it, but getting that different profile and the percentages from each different types of casks to obtain that, the goal I was after was probably the, the toughest thing to do. Um, all while trying to, you know, preserve the heritage 
of Irish whiskey. That's probably that's probably what took the longest and was the most frustrating because there was a there were an awful lot of failures. <laughs> and the uh, I even have one version that was probably one of my all time favorite blends. But I don't think that too many people in the United States would enjoy a pink whiskey. <laughs> it came out looking with a pink hue. And I don't know that, you know, if you shut your eyes, you'd go, oh, my goodness. But then you looked at it and went, I, I can't drink this. <laughs> the newest line from Impex Beverages has arrived. Hakata whiskey is distilled and matured in Fukuoka, Japan, by the Hikari Distillery, using 100% barley with a touch of koji fermentation to add savory umami to the pores. Four expressions are currently available, the 10-year, 12-year, 16-year, and 18-year. All are fully matured in first fill and refill Oloroso and PX sherry casks, then bottled at 42% ABV. Each release speaks to a different palate, and each is truly unique. If you love sherry dominance, go for the 10-year. The 12-year adds reminders of red wine sangria and a stone fruit salad. The 16-year lessens the sherry influence a bit to open juicy fruit and bubble tape gum, jelly donuts, taking your thought to the boldest of the bold Australian Cabernet Sauvignons, and offering a demi-gloss-like mouthfeel. Finally, the 18-year-old returns to those sherry roots, bolstered by the Australian red sensations from the 16-year and inky black tempranillo wine feelings imparting black cherry, golden raisins, and dark honey in Lady Grey tea. Each of these expressions brings a different dimension to the sherry, and there is truly one for every palate. Go to impexbev.com slash hakata, that's H-A-K-A-T-A, to find out more, and grab a bottle at your favorite premium whiskey shop today. Hey, whiskey ringers. I hope you've been taking advantage of that podcast-only code for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. They've got around 20 bottlings coming out each month, and there's never a shortage of new things to explore. To take advantage of this podcast-only offer, please go to smwsa.com, that's Scotch Mall Whiskey Society of America, and put in code WRP for Whiskey Ring Podcast at checkout for 25% off your first year subscription. I, I mean, I imagine it must have been kind of a either a port or a sherry cask that, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah, I mean, we I've got some whiskeys that have a gray color on them, but I wouldn't. It's not exact. Yeah, you're right. It's not exactly pink. It's definitely like an aged whiskey with uh, purplish or dark red yeah. hue to it. No, this um, one was. <laughs> this one was. This one was pink. All right. <laughs> um, no, I I hear you on the IWA constraints, and um, you know, I I, I think actually, uh, James, who I previously mentioned, I think he just became either the head of the IWA or of a parallel institution. So, um, but before that happened, being here in New York, we had a little dust up between the IWA and Kings County distillery about their Irish style, American whiskey. And um, you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm on nobody's side on this one. I'm well, I, no, I take that back. I'm, I'm kind of on Kings County side on this one, but I, <laughs> I know people on both sides, so I'm, I'm trying to, you know, skirt the narrow path. You know, I see both sides of it. I know people on both sides of it. Colin Kings County was an early guest on the podcast. He's uh, Kings County is where I had part of my bachelor weekend. Uh, 
but I also see the idea of having something on the label of Irish style American whiskey could be, it could be confusing. And I, I recognize the rationale that he laid out for why it's not confusing, but I also see how it could be confusing because people look at a label that they immediately have, they have an immediate reaction. As you were pointing out to the, the red of the label, the dog collar, the, uh, there are certain elements on a label. And we talked about this with uh, Kevin Shaw, Stranger and Stranger, actually. There are elements on a label that catch the eye immediately and will overrule more detailed looking. And it'll just be like, oh, that looks really nice. That's how people yep. pick wine often. They'll just right. be like, okay, I want this category. I'm going to pick the bottle that looks nicest or looks most attractive to me. So um, so in that sense, I, I see both sides of it. I'm trying to stay neutral. I like the Irish style American whiskey, so I'll leave it at that. But anyway, <laughs> so the Irish style is they're saying they're making it in accordance with the IWA standards, or but it's made here in America, but it's not of Irish grain. It's it's more a uh, tribute to Irish heritage in the U.S. So um, it's a lightly aged spirit. I think it's aged maybe a year or so. So it wouldn't. It wouldn't get to those specifications for the IWA. Um, I don't remember offhand about the grain. I know they get their peated stuff from Scotland or right, their barley from Scotland, but I don't know about that particular product. Um, I think what what they were trying to create was more a sense of you know what would an Irish distiller in the 1800s, early 1900s, who didn't necessarily have time to age for three, five seven eight years in a barrel but they had a barrel what would they create and that's where you get the the breakdown between the iwa and the and what colin was trying to do is simply because he's looking to a heritage before the iwa before current irish whiskey regulations were even a thought beyond basically excise tax regulations um (laughs) And which, let's be honest, excise taxes and grain malt taxes were basically the regulations until pretty recently in Scotland, right. Ireland, and elsewhere. And uh, so he was going to the heritage aspect of it. And to throw back to another Irish uh, style distiller, I should say, he's not an Irish, he's Irish by descent, but not an Irish whiskey distiller. Um, the very first guest on the podcast, Will Persons from Old Time Spirits. Um, he's got Irish heritage, his family, uh, like yours, go, I'm not sure he's not from the North. He's more from the South of Ireland, but, uh, his family roots go back a long time in the Emerald Isle. And there was a point in Irish history where you could make distillate from apples, let's say, or from fruit and call it Irish whiskey. And, obviously here in the U S you usually can't do that. Um, if it's fruit, it's brandy. Um, yes. doesn't matter, but because he was able to show the historical backing for that exception, he got the exception. So he's legally allowed to call his fruit based distillate Irish whiskey. And I still look back on it and think that's the first interview I did. And I was so unprepared for it because <laughs> there were regulations he was talking about that I hadn't even read yet. Um, but 
this is all to say that the to to your point of trying to fit into both the IWA regulation, but also something that your grandfather would have made yeah. and would have enjoyed. Um, that there is a middle ground to be found. My take, as you said, a lot of blends, a lot of time, years to figure it out. But you get there eventually, and if you gotta find an exception somewhere, yeah, which I don't think you, it doesn't seem like you had to do. But if you have to find an exception, there's probably one to be found somewhere. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, like I said, it was one of the most painstaking processes um, to uh, to undergo uh, to make what you have in the model today happen with all of the regulatories out there. Um, and, and to, to remain true to the Irish heritage and of what the IWA is depicting or wanting everybody to do and, and, and maintain that. And I call it a stodgy establishment. It's, 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 it's old, it's stale. And I wish they would unleash the hounds, which is another part of the triple dog. I would unleash the hounds on everybody and take the dare. Take the dare and, and let's go. And I, I do understand. I mean, there's a reason why the casks can't leave Ireland. Sure. Bring them in, but you can't take them out. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, no, of course. And I think, uh, well, hopefully, you, you know, you and people and distillers who think like you can uh, be at the forefront of that charge. You know, you're within the, you're within the machine because it's kind of have yeah. to be to produce what you want to produce for now. But at the same time, you've got both the Scotch whiskey association, the IWA as well, considering uh, variations on cask usage. Yes. I doubt they'll ever, like you said, allow you to bring the cast out of their respective countries, but uh, still, you, you know, the different types of, wood you can use whether it's oak or maybe try some i mean this wouldn't work elm would just the barrel would explode but uh you know <laughs> um that that was a joke by the way for uh wood nerds out there and tree nerds out there who know that elm was used for the keel of boats because it expands upon contact with liquid so that is your history joke for the day thank you very much i'll be here all week Anyway, the so they're expanding and thinking about different casts that they can use. And uh, within that expansion, there's that tinge of, hmm, maybe we can think of something new, allow a few variations here. And while I love the idea, especially in Ireland, of the uh, really, what's the word I want to use? The unique style that is Irish pot, single pot still whiskey. Beyond that, as much as I love single pot still whiskey, beyond that, there is a lot to be done within the Irish technical files and their regulations and a lot of experimentation to happen. And I look forward to more of that happening, like Triple Dog, pushing the boundaries. And you can only push a boundary if you're from the inside. So, right. Like to see the marriage of the collimated, still triple pot and single pot all together in a blend that would just uh, the things that you can do, mm -hmm. and they have so much potential if we were allowed to have creative license with the mash bill. 
and reintroduce uh probably wouldn't use straight coffee still at this point because it'd be too inefficient but i mean <laughs> anais coffee was an irishman he was, a, he was an irish yeah. excise agent yes. bring back the coffee stills uh Right now, I think the only place that has them working is uh, one distillery in America, and uh, Nika has them in Japan. Okay. Some of the original coffee stills. Um, so, yeah, bring back the coffee stills, the hybridization, work with the stills, work with the grain. There's a lot happening in Ireland. There's a lot to grow. There's a lot of flavor and terroir that can be explored. So, anyway, I feel like I've gone on a couple of soliloquies during this one, but I want to close out with really focusing back on triple log so we know uh this episode is going to come out in advance of saint patrick's day so you'll have a chance to hopefully uh, have time to not only find it if you're in those five states right now where it is sold locally but also to order it from both the website uh through triple dog whiskey.com and uh right now we're going to be shipping to uh, at least 40 states but you'll have time if you listen to this episode the day it comes out or a couple days afterward you will have time to order it before St. Patrick's Day, make sure you do. And I look forward to seeing both that bottle, also what those new SKUs coming out in Q2, Q3. We'll see. I look forward to those. And just keeping in touch as this brand, you know, I, this is the second brand in a row that I've gotten to talk to that is uh, new, frankly. And I don't often get to do that. So I get to ask some of the origin questions and some of those questions that you just, I don't get to ask most of the time. So, so Dan, yes. thank you so much for taking the time tonight. Uh, let's talk about your journey, about your history, about the whiskey you're creating and how you got to, to that place. Um, also to mention again, uh, vodkas as well, which are also available here in the U S and have also been winning a couple of awards. So in the meantime, there will be links to the website so you can take a look. There will be links to social media, a uh, review, and tasting notes for my tasting notes for Triple Dog attached to the show notes as well. And in the meantime, thank you again, Dan, for, for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, David. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. If you like what you hear, please go ahead and click that subscribe, follow, or like button. Leave a rating and review on your podcast app of choice, and let me know what you want to hear. You can reach out to me through the podcast apps or email me at david at whiskeymywedderingcom with any suggestions or ideas for new show guests. You can also support the podcast at patreon.com slash whiskeyinmywedding That's whiskey with an E for as little as a dollar a month. $5 a month gets you access to bonus content, including our soon to resume Under the Influencer series. And $25 a month means you join the Barrel Share Club. Each month, Barrel Share Club members get to try products sent to me for review, bottles from my own collection, and sometimes bottles I just pick up because they're fun or interesting. Right now, only five spots remain in the Barrel Share Club, so grab your place today. Finally, please follow on Instagram. You can follow me at Whiskey My Wedding Ring or at Whiskey Ring Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Whiskey Ring. You can follow on Facebook at Whiskey My Wedding Ring, or join the Facebook group, the Whiskey Ringers group. And I hope to see you there. Cheers, thank you for the support, and see you next time.